Is the world getting any better? Are we making progress as a people? Are we improving in the day-to-day? Are things getting better? If you look out at the world, I think the clear answer is no. Although we may have made advancements in, in science and medicine, death still comes for us all. Even though we may have programs designed to teach tolerance, to teach us to treat other people with dignity and care, we still see bullying and racism, prejudice and hatred in our schools and in our workplaces. We may have different improvements that have happened around. We, we may have more knowledge at our fingertips. If you pick up a phone, you can find out any fact you need. And yet we don't seem to have more wisdom. We seem to make the same mistakes, fall into the same unhealthy patterns as every generation before us. But before I get too negative, I I do have to admit, there are some good things that have come. We have made some progress. Indoor plumbing, thank God. Especially in the middle of winter in Ohio, I don't want to be going outside. Or as summer approaches and the humidity rises, air conditioning and, and refrigeration. And of course, the thing I think we have made the most progress in, and I don't know if we can make any improvement on, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, the greatest candy of all time. But overall, the things that we we truly long to eradicate, that we wish would be improved and made better, hunger, poverty, disease and illness, death still reigns in our daily lives still comes for us. If you ask anyone, they will admit that the world is broken. They might not put it in those terms. They might not say it in that way, but something isn't right. Every religion in the world admits that truth, that that this isn't paradise, that everything isn't perfect here and now. So if you ask people of other faiths, if you ask people on the street corner, What hope do we have? What hope is there for the world? What kind of answers would you get? If you talk to a Buddhist, they'd say that the answer and the the hope we have is that you learn how to overcome, how to transcend, how to escape from this reality as you learn to block out the pain, to block out all the negativity, and to transcend everything. If you're a Hindu, the response is to follow the path and and live a better life and improve in the reincarnation, in the next life, until finally you become one with Brahman. That is, one with God. If you're a Muslim, your answer is that that you do try and do the right thing. You follow the five pillars and hope that it's enough for Allah and that you will end up in paradise where you will be given 72 virgins. I'm not sure what's in it for you, ladies. If... If you're an atheist, maybe you don't believe that there's anything else past this, but what do you hope for? You hope that you leave the world in a better condition behind you before the next generation. You hope that your name, your legacy means something. You hope that you have done something to make the world a better place. I don't know if you caught that, but each and every one of those faiths, each and every one of those answers starts with you figuring it out, with you fixing it, with you making it better. It's about you escaping this world, or it's about you fixing the problems we have here and now. Every other religion I have ever come across tells me that the answer is to get out of this world, 
to find a way out by my own power or to fix this world by my own power. So if somebody came up to you on the street, because I think our answer is different, if somebody came up to you and said, well, you're a Christian, what hope do you have? What hope do you think there is for the world? How would you answer? What would you say? Maybe you don't know what, you, what you'd say. Maybe you don't know the answer. Maybe we'd stammer and, and say, well, uh, Jesus, and something about going to heaven, maybe throw out John 3.16, it's always a good verse to use. You know, we, we don't know what answer we'd give. And the problem is that, that we don't know the Christian hope well enough. We don't know our own story, our own ending well enough. And so we start to get caught up in the stories of other religions. We start to believe that, that maybe we're destined to be a spiritual existence where we hover around with God. Maybe we're destined to become one with God or, or escape to another paradise. Maybe it's some sort of version of, of reincarnation, some Christian version. Which These are all compelling and powerful stories, but they're not as beautiful and compelling and powerful as our story. What is the hope we believe in? It's the hope proclaimed from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Our hope is the, the confession we make in the words of the Apostles' Creed. It's not in escape. It's not in fixing the world ourselves. It's in resurrection in the power of God. That he is going to make this world new. That he is going to restore all things. That we will live again in these bodies. That is our hope. See, as we come to this passage in Ezekiel, Ezekiel is, is standing in exile. He is with the people. Everything looks like it's falling apart. And people are wondering, is there any hope for Israel anymore? Is there anything left for me to hold on to? Jerusalem is in shambles. It's been destroyed. It's been torn down. Many of the leaders have been killed. Some of them have been blinded. And their eyes poked out. Their thumbs cut off. It seems like there's nothing but darkness. They're being ruled by evil, tyrannical men who oppress and cut down the poor. And God takes Ezekiel into a valley filled with dry bones in his spirit. And God asks Ezekiel a question. O oh, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel responds, Oh Lord, you alone know. God is asking Ezekiel, is there still hope? God asks you through this Old Testament lesson and through the, the gospel lesson, is there still hope for you? When everything seems dark, when everything seems to have fallen apart, when you feel like there's nothing left to hold on to, is there hope for you? And then God tells Ezekiel, see these dry bones, prophesy to them, Ezekiel. Prophesy to these bones. And as Ezekiel prophesies, there's a noise, a, a rattling sound, and bone comes to bone. And tendons come on them, and flesh and muscle comes on them. But there's no breath in them. They're still, they're still dead. They're lifeless, empty bodies. And God says, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy to the breath and tell it to enter into these bodies. And Ezekiel prophesizing just as God breathed life into Adam in his formless clay in Genesis 1, God breathes life back into these dead bones in the valley of darkness. God breathes life into a place where death and nothingness reigned. God displays his power. 
And he says, these bones will live again. See, you Christians, you don't get to say there is no hope. You don't get to say our hope is to get out of here. Because our hope is life in this flesh. Our hope is resurrection. See, resurrection literally means to stand again. To stand again in the flesh, in in these bodies, glorified, perfected, resurrected, incorruptible. We will stand again in this world, in this place. God promises we will be given new life. See, death is an unnatural tearing apart of our bodies from our spirits. What God had created to be together. And so God promises that he's going to restore those things. He's going to restore all of creation. But he is going to restore us to our physical bodies where we belong. To the life we, just, we were meant to have. <clears throat> Ezekiel 37 is one of my favorite passages. Because it reminds me that no matter what I see around me, God is not done with this world yet. God is not done with this world yet. He still has something in mind for his creation and and is not dependent on my plans, on my ability to fix things, on our ability to get things right or save ourselves. It's dependent on his power, on his authority, on his spirit. And he's going to do something about what has happened. He is going to remake. He is going to restore and renew all things. See, our God, he, restu- he restores and renews this world. Our God longs to make all things new. <clears throat> He's going to draw us back into this place. See, as God's people, we have hope. We have hope that this is not the end of our story, and we don't long to escape. And so we care for this world. We care for the people around us because God cares about this world and cares about the people around us. And so we take care of creation, and we pray and look out for our neighbors. We care for those around us. We seek to take care of their needs in whatever way we can. And yet we still have the honesty to say that we know that despite our good deeds, despite doing our best efforts, Satan and sin still live in this world now. But God is going to use them. God is going to use our deeds because he cares about this world. Because he cares about what he has created. And so we have the honesty to say that this world really is this dark. It really is this broken. We really can't save it ourselves, contrary to what every other religion might tell you. So thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us, who has saved us. See, we have hope. Nevertheless, how dark this world may get, we have hope because God has redeemed this world through his son. He's not done with creation yet. God longs to restore and renew and resurrect his people. But that resurrection isn't just for Christians on the last day. God also longs to resurrect those who are dead in the spirit outside of these four walls, who do not yet know his grace and his love, who do not yet know those promises that he is the way, truth, and life, that he is the life and the resurrection. God longs to bring those people into his kingdom. And he longs to do that through you and me. See, we as as God's people, we go out into the world where his hands and his feet, he longs to breathe that life into others through our actions. It is his job, his task to give life to others. It's not our job to save others. Jesus alone does that. But God longs to work through us, to reach out to others through our lives. And so as we come to know the story, 
the hope that we have that is expressed in words like those of the Apostles' Creed. See, those words should shape our hope as Christians, and it should be evident to all who see us. Because through that, God will breathe life into the valley of dry bones around us, into those who are lost, those who are longing for the spiritual life that they need, that Jesus alone can give. Our hope is in resurrection, restoration, and renewal, not escape, not death. Amen.